what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. With me is Chris Fry. We are co-directors, co-producers, co-founders, whatever co's, other co's can we be? Co, hmm, not sure. I think co, it's most of co-designers. Them. We're not codependent, at least. No, no, no. We're <laughs> not that. Not that co. But uh, all the co's you can imagine on the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival. But we are here to talk movies, as we do on this podcast. We get together every week, review at least a new release of a film, and talk about our thoughts on that, as well as share some. Sometimes some movie news. Today we're actually going to dip into a few trailers of some new films that are coming up in the coming months that we want to discuss a little bit. But uh, Chris, before we do all that, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. A little, little tired. Um, we uh, yeah. the movie we're going to discuss today we caught at a late screening. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so uh, a little tired, but excited to talk about it. Curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I don't do as well with films starting after ten o'clock p.m. anymore. <laughs> so that's um, that used to be my favorite time to go to the theater and watch movies. Same. Not so much anymore. It doesn't quite hold the same allure for me at my age that it used to. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we are dragging just a little bit on the, uh, today, but that's okay. We've got our thoughts together on the film, which is Wes Anderson's latest film, Asteroid City, starring Jason Schwartzman, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, and gosh, I, I'm not even going to go through the list. It might be everybody. easier at this point to say who's not in the film. Right. Bill um, Murray is not. No, Bill Murray's not in the film. Good point. That was really interesting. I didn't even think about that until you just said that. Huh. Yeah, Bill Murray's not in the film. Which he is normally kind of a Wes Anderson regular. Um, I did not see Naomi Watts, so Naomi Watts is not in the film. <laughs> um True. Robert Downey Jr. didn't show up in the film. He did not. Okay. So we at least know those are people are not some, in the some film. Some people not so in the film. pretty much anybody we didn't just mention is pretty much in this film. Uh, we are going to discuss Android City. After that, I get to talk, take Chris down a path of ranking the Wes Anderson movies. I kind of sprung that on him here in the last 30 minutes. So we'll see what his rankings of the Wes Anderson films look like compared to mine. And then we'll go into a couple of trailers of some interesting films that are making their way into the multiplex in the coming months. So, Chris, are we ready to travel to Asteroid City? Sure. All right, here we go. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. Come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year we celebrate Asteroid Day, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC, when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Asteroid City tells the story of a playwright and his world famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech obsessed family to small rural Asteroid City to compete in a junior stargazing event only to have his worldview disrupted forever. That is the synopsis given to us by IMDb. I would say that the plot of Asteroid City, in some ways, especially with some framing devices, is a little bit more complicated than that. It's not you, Wes. It's me. At least, I think it is. I dig your films, your style, your sense of storytelling, your impressive ability to assemble amazing ensemble casts, what is, this, what is it then about Asteroid City that didn't quite work for me? I'm not sure. Maybe that the sense of meta filmmaking, usually a plus for me, became a little too much. Again, maybe a mea culpa because I was screening this at a late showing after devouring almost an entire pizza. Don't know. Alan, what was your takeaway from your trip to Asteroid City? Um, so I... 
I think I went on record on this show of not being a fan of his last film, The French Dispatch. Correct. That one did not work for me. Um, for a little bit of the reasons you were just describing, I felt it went, I felt it was too heady, too deep, too many layers on top of layers and things that just made it very, very difficult for me to enjoy the film. Okay. Um, I felt the opposite with Android Asteroid City. I really liked this film because I don't feel like it tried as hard. Yes, there are some elements. We can dig into that a little bit. Some of the framing elements and the kind of the the meta elements of the story and the story within the story. Yes, I think are And then the story within the story. Well, a little bit. Story. Um, but I, I, but it, I mean, I'm surprised as I started reading some other people's reviews after watching the film last night and people talking about how complex they thought the film was. I thought, you did see the French Dispatch, especially the third part of the French Dispatch, right? Because that, I felt like, was about the most complex thing I've seen. Still hurts my head when I try to watch, if I try to watch it again. I I liked the film. I liked it a lot. I can go through some various reasons of things that I think worked for it. You know, some people that do like this film are saying, oh, it's the best one since Grand Budapest Hotel. Well, he's only made two films after Grand Budapest Hotel and then this one. So it's not like saying it's like going back very far from when his last best film was. I think people are saying they like it as much as Grand Budapest because it's similar in that Grand Budapest was a story, also had a similar framing device, a story within a story and kind of this layered approach to storytelling. But ultimately, it's still a story of some degree. And that's what I think I liked about Android Asteroid City is I do think at the core of it, there's a story. Now, I'm not sure what the story means. <laughs> that is something I'm still wrestling with. So I'm not saying that the film is perfect. I think there's some issues with it. I think it's got a couple problems with regards to um, its cast being too large. I think I think... There is a situation where you've got too many, albeit very, very interesting, fun characters. I would have liked to have seen more of any of them, but there's so many that it's just you don't feel like any character really has this moment to breathe as much, other than maybe the two core leads that we follow. Um, it does leave me wondering what it's all about. That is a big question I've got. Maybe we can dig into that a little bit later as we discuss, but overall, I, I've this is a film I really enjoyed the aesthetics of. I love the look and the feel of the film. I love the balance of humor. And there was more emotional resonance to this film than I felt like we've, we got in his last film for sure. Um, so overall it worked for me, but it also look, let's go ahead and set the framing up. I think we even talked about this before going into the movie. I think your expectations were higher. Hmm. I think my expectations were low after our last film experience with him. And I think that did make a difference because Probably. I was sure. fearful that I was going to come out of this like I did French Dispatch. And I was very happy I did not. You were you were a big fan of French Dispatch. Yes. You liked it. So you maybe felt like this one was, was trying to uh, pile layer upon layer on a film and, and make it more than it needed to be. And that well, frustrated and it, it sound like. So, yeah. And I think... <laughs> We talk about all the time how like trailers can spoil things or, you know, we try not to read reviews before we go see films. And sometimes um, you go, especially, I can't remember the last couple of films, they've happened since the pandemic where the filmmaker actually comes on the screen before the film starts and is like, this movie has meant a lot to us. We're glad to finally mm -hmm. bring it to the big screen, blah, blah, blah. And then they show the movie. Wes Anderson doesn't seem like the type of director to normally do that. And he didn't for this. But I wish in a way, although I don't read reviews and stuff, I wish I had been kind of forewarned, hey, by the way, there's gonna be, this is going to be a little bit convoluted. Just for somebody to kind of give me like a little bit of a warning. They don't have to spoil anything, but just say like, be aware that this is kind of a story within a story. within Like, because it was so, there again, late at night when I was watching it, my fault. But it was kind of jarring. And not only that, but characters play different people. And if like it's it's so like okay essentially there's a television documentary that's mm -hmm. being made about this fictitious play and then you go into the play and that's asteroid city so you have at least three levels and then i kept getting confused sometime between he, wes anderson too he, he plays with uh ratios screen ratios and sometimes it would be like the four or three and then sometimes it would jump out to the widescreen and but 
sometimes seemingly he did that for no reason. Like when they were in the asteroid city where it's in color and they're telling the story of like kind of my intro about these kids and they're at this fight and then they basically, the trailer shows this. So they have an alien encounter and then they can't leave. They're quarantined. Um, but sometimes within that story, he's jumping ratios. Mm-hmm. And so that to me, I was like, okay. And in, because I'm a film nerd, I guess I'm like, wait, what is he trying to say? There was so much work that I was feeling like I was having to do. It didn't, it just didn't come together very well. And like, you know, I still admire the filmmaking that went into it. I thought all the acting was good. It was just something about, whereas I guess that's what fell apart for you with the French dispatch. Didn't for me for this. I don't know. It just, it just didn't really gel. Now, could a second viewing maybe bring it around when I'm not worried about all that. And I kind of already know how the story is going to go and everything possibly. Um, And to me, actually, I think that was the other thing is with Wes Anderson. I always feel like he does have a concrete story in French dispatch. Yeah. It was like several different stories that he kind of put together. It was like an anthology. Didn't work for you. Didn't work for me. And this, I just felt like there wasn't, the the devices were like what was going on in the film. Other than that, there really wasn't a story. Um, now, if you try to dig deeper and maybe assign things to the film that aren't really there, to me, this felt like this could be Wes Anderson's pandemic movie because it's a bunch of people quarantined in an area. They can't leave. They have various responses to why they're being quarantined and they, you know, some people are like mad about it. They get into frustration and then at the end of the film, it's over and kind of how abruptly that happens and people scatter. So I, I don't know. I think there, there is something there, but it's a lot harder to get at. This is his, to me, most opaque film. Hmm. Um, and there again, you know, I, I don't know why, but um, I, I, I don't know. So, and it's, oh. it's interesting to me that, um, you mentioned French dispatch and like the last story was really hard for, I can't, I don't remember all the different stories. Um, so I'm curious which it's one. The one with, it's the one with Jeffrey Wright. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. And that one really worked for me. Um, yeah, that was, that was a tough one for me. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, um, yeah, like you're just, yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I look, I'm not, I'm not doubting your, the experience you had with it. I, the film, the film made sense to me, which is weird. I don't know if it's just like different, different ways brains are processing it's going or maybe different state of minds were in whatever. But as soon as, as soon as the concept came up that, Hey, these are, you know, the black and white, that is, that is us putting on the play. That is us prepping for the play. That's us writing the play and casting the actors and getting all the stuff together in the backstage. Well, they're two different instances. See, that's the thing. It's not that simple. There are two different instances of black mm-hmm. and white. One instance is the TV documentary and mm-hmm. the others is the play. So they're not se- They weren't for me separated enough. And, see, and then the third, the third wall is the, or the third, I don't know, thing within a thing within a thing is the colorized asteroid city. That's the easiest one to identify. Mm-hmm. And then you back up and there's one with Brian Cranston. Oh, actually you back all the way out and you have Brian Cranston as a narrator narrating this like documentary. And then mm-hmm. you go one level in and you don't have him and you're like, I, I don't know. So, or at least that's how I received what was being yeah. given to me. There was one level where there was like a TV audience and Brian Cranston like narrating things and doing like a documentary. You go another level in and it's just, it's just black and white and you have people talking and then you go the third level in and it's in color and it's like the, the thing that's actually happening. So, and sometimes the black and white things were the things that were really trying to gauge where I was or what I was supposed to be taking from that was the confusing part, except they do a play it for laughs at one point when Brian Cranston shows up in asteroid city. And Mm -hmm. that was, that was funny. And I think that was something that in a weird way, Maybe Asteroid City had a lot more laughs, but they were at a lower register, I think, for me. Because there are a lot of, I think there are a lot of funny things in here. But I think Mm -hmm. maybe because for me, I was struggling so much to kind of grasp what Wes Anderson was trying to do. They didn't seem like to be at quite the Mm -hmm. laugh out loud moments that sometimes you get. I don't don't know. But I wouldn't say that it wasn't funny because there were... 
there were funny parts to it. So, yeah, wow. So we kind of came out of this flip flopped a little bit. We we did, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah I look, I, I I still think there's issues. I do want to mention a couple of those issues a little bit more in detail here. But let me hit some of the highlights here for, for me as far as some things that I thought were really worked great in the film. I mentioned about the characters. Mm-hmm. I, I do think these are fascinating characters. I loved all the characters. I just wish we had more time with some or trim down the number of characters so that we do have more time with them. Cause it just felt like, all right, let's just say there's a, there's a character Steve Carell plays in here, which kind of, there, I feel like there's an interesting path to explore with that. I think there's some interesting things there. And I felt like that's a very short side. Leave, leave Schreiber played a parent of one of the kids. And it's like, again, it's, they all became very like glorified cameos, which well, I thought was a little, got a little tiresome to have as many big name actors as he put in this movie with relatively small roles, although playing very interesting characters that I, I think would have been interesting to dig into a little deeper. Well, it's interesting you bring out Steve Carell because first timers in this film, at least the two big ones that I'm aware of yeah. are Steve Carell and Tom Hanks. Yeah. And people often comment how, Actors, when they come into a Wes Anderson film, they kind of modulate their performance to be in a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. Think Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We know Ed Norton, but then put him in a Wes Anderson film. He's in this one. It's like he's giving a Wes Anderson performance. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Tom Hanks, I was interested. And I felt like, yes, he also gave a Wes Anderson performance. Mm-hmm. Now, is that the dialogue he's given? Does he? No, I don't know. Interestingly, though, I thought Steve Carell was not in a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. Not saying he did a bad job, but it was like, I felt like his performance was not in the least bit like Well, modulated. he didn't have to, he didn't have, he wasn't given dialogue that he had to talk in a Wes Anderson kind of monotone, Fair. very, uh, very direct uh, way of speaking where everybody else is kind of instructed to talk that way. Steve Carell's like, no, 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 you're, you're kind of this, this, you're this big, big showy personality guy. You're kind of, you're okay to be happy and act a little bit with it. So, right. um, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, the thing is I've got to think as an actor, is it, is it a challenge or fun to be a part of a Wes Anderson film? Because you are kind of given characters that their lines are delivered in a very static monotone direct way. There's not a lot of acting. I mean, I, and I use that term loosely. It, I mean, obviously, it's acting, but it's right. not—it's not expressive acting. It, it is much more. Hey, can you intently? It's, it's mannered. Can you intently stare at this person and deliver this line without any inflection and go? Right. And I, I just wonder if, from an actor standpoint, do you, is that fun? Is that a challenge? I mean, obviously, these actors enjoy working on Wes Anderson films. They keep coming back, many of them, over <laughs> sure. and over again. So. Yeah. It's got to be a good experience, but I just got to think for a new actor coming in, a new member of the the repertoire. I wonder what that experience is like. Um, I, I was just I was surprised this film was as challenging as mm-hmm, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I really I really wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it sounds, it sounds like, like I guess maybe because of your experience of French Dispatch, you kind of were. I was maybe. expecting complex, and I was actually happy I got it's something I could kind of absorb and and roll with and work with. Sure. Um, Visually, I say talking about the film, I mean, it is a, a, a little more of a unique look, like colors, pastels, um, the fact that we're in a, a very, almost like a deserted desert that just has like a small little town kind of mm-hmm. plopped in the middle. So that means you have a very designated space, physical space around you. There were like, what, six or seven buildings and you see them all and right. we spend time in each of them. And that's it. Like that is that is the environment we're in, which I liked. I think I don't know. As soon as they rolled in and started kind of showing you the town, I'm like, okay, yeah, I dig this. This is this is going to work because <laughs> I kind of like I like the the time period. I like the kind of the look of the out out in the west. Uh, you know, it was like what, 1955. I think yes. is when the film took place. Yes, everything about the time period, the look, the feel, kind of worked for me on this. And I like the kind of the idea of it being a bottle uh, around them, kind of this, this is where we are. This is where our characters exist. We're not going to see really spending time outside of this little town, outside of the framing devices, the other storytelling devices. So all that, I, all that I really, I really liked quite a bit. Um, I did like the story within the story concept. And I, I thought it, 
led to some, I thought were some really great scenes. I think one of the better Wes Anderson sequences I've seen in a while has to do, it's at the, towards the end of the film. I'm not going to give away too much with it, but lead actor, the, the Jason Schwartzman character kind of stops a scene, <laughs> walks off and goes to confront the director of this play we're watching, this this version of the play that's made it into the film. And his question is, am I playing it right? Am I doing this character right? And I think there's a lot going on with that, which is really interesting. It's almost a little bit of a question of, because we actually see Drayson Schwartzman, I feel like acting a little bit more than what his characters allowed him to be when uh, he's yes. playing the character. Yes. So it's almost like saying, hey, look, I feel like I'm not really doing this character justice, which is like probably a complaint some people do lobby at, at Wes Anderson and some of his characters that they're all very, they you know, flat delivery, kind of very, very pointed delivery in their dialogue. But him to be able to step away and go actually talk to their director and be like, hey, is this is this right? I don't feel like I'm quite getting this character I don't know if I'm playing this right. I think there's a lot of meta stuff going on with that, which is kind of fun. And then it continues and extends where he leaves and actually has a dialogue with another character that I did not know would be a part of this film, which was kind of an interesting little little bit. And You're there's talking a, about a conversation he has on a balcony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and see, <sighs> and to me, I thought that was great because it it's it's a um, just. And again, not to not to give too much away on it, but it, it's it's a it's another little meta commentary on the film and the making of the the film process itself. Um, I don't know. now. I still walk away from the whole film saying I'm still not quite sure what it all means. Not that I say any film. I mean, I'm not somebody who needs a film to spell out for me. Oh, this is what this film means, and this is. I'm all for open interpretation. I'm all for films that don't have to mean anything. You just experience it for the for the the enjoyment of experiencing the film itself. But I do feel like this film was wanting to say some things. I'm not quite sure what it was by the end of the film. It didn't hurt my enjoyment of the film, but it does leave linger me with some questions of, okay, am I supposed to take, is there a message I'm supposed to get out of this? Cause if there is, I'm not getting it. I'm okay with that, but I feel like there's just moments like the scenes I just referenced where he's, he's desperately wanting to say something and it just doesn't quite come around full circle. Well, and that's my, that's my, yeah. So you and I are on the same page, but overall it didn't hinder your enjoyment as much as it did mine because the, the, the framework stuff is what I thought it was interesting, mm-hmm. but it somehow the, it, it didn't connect for me. And I was, it made me just a little confused mm-hmm. and a little kind of lost Whereas when if you stripped away all that and you just had the story of Asteroid City, not all the layer stuff, I guess maybe in some ways it would have been people would have maybe not liked because apparently critics love Asteroid City. Um, they wouldn't have liked it as much because it would have been a more boiled down standard like, oh, here are some quirky characters spouting off you know dialogue in the Wes Anderson way. And it, it wouldn't have given you as much to think about. Whereas when you layer these other things on it, it gives you more to think about and makes it more interesting. And maybe it challenges Wes Anderson more because he's trying to put those things in there. And so oh, it would have been an yeah. incredibly simplistic movie. If it would have just been. If it had just been everything right. took place in Android. Astro, I keep saying Android City. Asteroid City. Uh, the main bulk of the. If that was the actual. The only film. Which it is. 70% maybe. And then the other stuff yeah. is like 30%. So mm-hmm. the framework stuff, but if even that maybe a 20, it, yeah. it's, it's not heavy on the other layered work, but I, I think I would have come away a little disappointed if it didn't have the, the framing hmm. element in it, because I, I, I think about if you stripped all that away, what are you left with? Well, it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting setup. You have some interesting characters, but it's not really saying anything. <laughs> Now, with right. the framework around it, it does have something to say. I'm just not quite sure what it is. Well, and right. And I guess for me, and this is completely, yeah, it's weird. you and I are on opposite sides of how much we like the film. And then it seems like we're also not, I'm going to be complete opposite of what I normally am. You know, this film's hour and 44 minutes. And normally I'd be like championing the runtime and everything. But I think if you're going to leave the stuff in there, the the framework stuff, 
I needed a little bit more of it somehow smoothed out. And I think maybe adding some runtime, which, you know, I never, I never encouraged that, (laughs) but like that would have helped because as it was, it just, it didn't work well enough for me. And I think I would have been better if that would have been just excised Mm. and it would have been just the asteroid city. Yeah. Just that one, that one layer. Hmm. But you know, as the film we got, it is interesting. I think another viewing will probably pay off. You mentioned um, your favorite, one of your favorite sequences about, mm-hmm. and they had a line there, and there again, I, I wasn't writing down during the film, so this is like rough. But something about um, Adrian Brody, who is playing the director of the play. Yeah. So he's in theory directing asteroid city that we're seeing. Yeah. It's the, the, the quote movie we're watching the actual full color on that is actually the play. Right. Okay. Right. It's, it's just presented to us as a, as a movie, but right. I mean, it's very clearly, I mean, if you, I mean, you can obviously see the backgrounds, the back mats yeah. are fake. Sure. It's they, they're not hiding that they're wanting you to know, no, this is a production. You're watching a production of this. Right. So yeah. Anyway. Thanks, um, sorry. but one of the lines that was said was just keep telling the story. Yeah. That's what Adrian Brody says to Ed Norton's care or not Ed Norton. Um, Jason, Jason Schwartzman's character. Yeah. Just keep telling the story. So that was interesting because it was kind of, you know, Wes Anderson, at least to me being like, you know, soldier through, just, just stay, right. stay with me, stay mm-hmm. with me. So, you know, again, Wes, it's not you, it's me. Mm-hmm. Um, another line that I liked, and I wish I could remember it was when Jeffrey Wright was speaking to the, the stargazer people. Jeffrey Wright Rose. playing kind of the, the yeah, admiral, a general, or a general guy, that's like kind of a dude. military that has to handle the quarantine situation <laughs> on the city. Yeah. But he says something at, like when he's talking to him, cause he's up on a podium and he's like, I'm not a scientist. You are like that. And like the way it's kind of like kids being like, I'm not this, you are. And so I thought that was funny. And that was just there yeah. again, little moments like that. I couldn't jot all of them down, but like a lot of lines that really jumped out as being funny just because I don't know, they were. And that I, yeah. I wish I could give them, I wish that would have elevated my opinion of the film. <laughs> and then something else that it was an example of, we were in the framework in some of the movie. We had jumped out of the asteroid city movie slash play that we were watching. We we're in the framework, but I appreciated kind of the randomness and because of the sentiment it gave, um, it was, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Yeah. And that, I don't know, just that statement. You're like, okay, but the more you, I thought about it and the more I think about it and it's use in the film that it comes back through a song that's played during the credits there's just, you know, I can't, I can't discount that. And I think that, that was, that was clever. Um, you mentioned a little bit on some acting, some different performances in the film. And I think overall everybody, everybody was, did a great job in a Wes Anderson film. Scarlett Johansson, she's new to the, to the, uh, she's new to the group too, right? I think, Think yeah, so, pretty pretty certain she, she is. Might, yeah, I think so. Well, when I heard Scarlett Johansson was cast in this film, I thought, okay, yeah, I can totally see her delivering Wes Anderson dialogue. That's <laughs> not a problem. I can totally see her pulling that off. I was really surprised though. She 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 kind of she kicked it up a little bit. I think her performance was really really good. There were some moments, uh, some some dialogue between her and uh, Jason Schwartzman that. That was actually really good. She and did do Isle of Dogs. Oh, so that's she was right. A voice. She was a voice in Isle of Dogs. I was like, Dogs. I feel like yeah, she's yeah, been in something right. else, but I couldn't right. remember offhand what the it was. The first time on screen, a live right. action performance right. for her. And uh, I, I thought I thought she was really great in the film. Jason Schwartzman was was fine. I you know I, I was happy to see him get the lead in a Wes Anderson film after you know since Rushmore. I mean, he's always been a kind of a supporting and having smaller parts in the film since then. Darjeeling Limited, he kind of had a. I guess a co-lead, mm-hmm. you know, in that film, but I, I, I enjoyed him getting to play a, a character, a little against type character for him. And I thought he, I thought it was fine too, but Scarlett Johansson was the one that really surprised me. I thought it was really strong. Um, I mentioned Liv Schreiber, a much smaller role, but I liked everything he was doing as one of the parents. Uh, just, yeah, the characters themselves were, were so much, were so interesting and so much fun to work with. Um, you you tipped off. I'm kind of surprised. I didn't know if the whole alien thing was a spoiler. Or not. I guess depending is it in on there? which trailer you've okay. seen, but it has yeah, been in a trailer. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Right. So I love the alien. I'm just going to go ahead and go on record. I love the alien, um, and I love even more the reveal later on 
when you cut to behind the scenes, black and white, hmm. the, the making of, and you see the alien, or at least a different form of the alien then. So anyway. Just, My favorite thing about that, there again, lots of funny things in the mm-hmm. film, but probably one of the funnier things for me was the alien gets a photograph taken of him <laughs> and the pose that he gives for the photograph it's great. was amazing. Yeah. So I, uh, I don't, yeah, Chris, I just, I like this film a lot. I, I did wish, like, it's not perfect. I do wish I could walk away with it feeling like I knew what, I knew what was trying to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you, the quote you just mentioned that in the film itself, the whole, just, just tell the story, just kind of keep pushing through. All right, that's fine. They told the story. There was a story to be told and it was told. I, I felt like Wes was trying to say something else. I just wish I knew what it was, <laughs> um, but that's okay. It didn't hurt my enjoyment. I still enjoyed every, every moment of the film itself. Sure. The framing situation worked for me, but I can understand it not working for others. I mean, I, I think just people's brains just kind of process things. It's uh, probably your state of, uh, awakeness. It's probably <laughs> your, um, you know, level of hunger or no hunger. I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of factors that could be impacting how you process something Right. that could be complicated for whatever reason last night i would guess i was in just in a good zen moment where just everything worked and i got it and i absorbed it but i can certainly understand people not because it didn't for me on french dispatch and i seem to be kind of in a minority on that myself so um anything else you want to say about asteroid city um i don't think so um yeah i think summing up like last year i think it was like yeah um a lot of critics really liked tar and I was kind of like, so I feel like this is going to be my tar from this year. It's going to be asteroid city. Not a bad film. I did appreciate lots of things about it, but unlike tar, I didn't really feel the need to revisit tar. Um, I do want to give this one another shot because I I feel like there's stuff I will enjoy. There are things that I will enjoy more. So not a bad film. Just, yeah, just, I guess we'll get to our rankings, so that will kind of yeah. reveal a lot. Well, that is Asteroid City. Uh, obviously, it sounds like I'm much higher on it than Chris is, but I also feel like we might have gotten to it with some different levels of expectations, which True. does affect it as well, too. Um, yes, so that is Asteroid City. It is playing in theaters now. It just opened as of uh, this weekend that we're releasing this episode. Um, and I'm saying, if you are a Wes Anderson fan of, of his films, I think you've got plenty to like here. I think there's, you'll find something to enjoy and get a lot out of. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say, if you, if you were a fan of where the, his films have been kind of leading to in the last several, well, we'll get to the rankings in a little bit. If you like kind of his more recent style, I could see it being a, this film maybe being a little bit of a letdown because I do think it kind of takes the, the gas off of kind of the, some of the level of inventiveness that he was going after, especially with French dispatch, where I think he was really letting his visual and creativity flow on, on the screen here might be a little bit more restrained back. Maybe that's why some people are saying, Hey, it's our favorite since, uh, you know, grand Budapest, even though that wasn't really that long ago. I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to see. I'm curious what type of Wes Anderson films take this film and love it. And which ones are, maybe let down or a little frustrated like like you are with it so it's interesting okay well let's uh let's do this chris okay we're done with the official review yes wes anderson has made 11 films feature-length films he's made a lot of short films and commercials not we're not going to talk about those a wes anderson film coming out is a little bit of a kind of a big occasion for us i think the if i remember correctly i think the first wes anderson film we reviewed together might have been Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, I think so. Yeah, about halfway through his 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 filmography. Right. But we're we've both been fans and have liked a majority of his films and a majority of his work. So I thought you know we're eleven films in at this point. I think it's kind of time for a little bit of a, a let's do a little assessment on where we are with Wes Anderson films. A little ranking, if you do, if you if you if you will. I'm going to make the audible here there, Chris, and say I am removing Bottle Rocket, his very first film, from this contention of ranking for a couple reasons. One, I don't really remember Bottle Rocket, so I don't feel fair rating it. It is the one of his movies I just don't really have a good recollection of. 
I've seen it, okay. but I just don't remember it as much. And also that's the one I think we can all agree. If you look at style and a Wes Anderson movie quote, it's probably his least because it was obviously his first one. It was a much smaller film. It was a, you know, low budget film. It was uh, it did not have quite the Wes Anderson style perfected at that point yet. So I'm saying we're starting our ranking with Rushmore on through. So that's 10 films. Okay. okay? And I'm curious where all these films fall. Now I kind of have a little bit of a sense of where asteroid city is falling just based on the review we had. But, um, what is your number 10, like least favorite Wes Anderson film at this point right now? So, so do I get to include bottle rocket or I don't get to? No, you can, you can, if you want to, I'm not going to, because I just don't think that's fair. I never want to include a rating of a, a ranking of a film that I don't really feel like I have a good assessment of. Okay. So, so yeah, basically the way, I mean, I'll do all 10 and or or all 11. 11. And for me, there's basically, you know, my favorites, which of course clog up the top of the list. And then the other ones are kind of, and here are the other ones, but I'll go off the top and say, I don't think he's made a bad film. Okay. So these are just not, so bottle rocket would be my number 11. All right. And then my number 10 would be asteroid city. Wow. So asteroid city is basically dragging the bottom. Um, but I mean, it's a good rocket. bottom to be at because it's yeah. none of the, I'm not saying any of them are bad, but um, there again, after another viewing and I sit with it cause we just watched as of the recorder. We just yeah. watched this film last night. So maybe it needs to kind of, you know, bang around in my head a little bit more, but that, that's, that's where asteroid city is. Okay. Well, French dispatch is my number 10. Okay. I don't, again, I don't have an 11, so I, I sure. don't know where bottle rocket would be, but my low, my lowest rated of the 10 are French dispatch is number 10. Okay. I've got Darjeeling limited at number nine. So kind of moved up the list. Do you have that any higher or is that? I do. Yes. Yeah, so, so I guess if I were to list my, it's, Bottle Rocket and Asteroid Center are my 10 and 11. Then I have Moonrise Kingdom as hmm. my 9. And then Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. And then we start to get into the three and a half star category okay. there. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, Darjeeling, actually, I have up at number six. Hmm. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and just kind of sure. progress through your list, and so, then I'll do mine, and we'll just kind of so see where got, we fell. Yeah, so in reverse order, Bottle Rocket, Asteroid City, Moonrise Kingdom, eight is Life Aquatic, Sevens Rushmore, Darjeeling Limited six, Royal Tannenbaum's is five, and then we get to the top four: Fantastic Mr. Fox, French Dispatch, Isle of Dogs is number two, and Grand Budapest is number one. Now, that said, when I saw and it, yeah, <laughs> a lot of things have to do with viewing experiences, as Alan mentioned. You know how tired you are, how big a meal you had, um, if you've been stressed out that day, or whatever. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw Grand Budapest Hotel was in a really small theater. I was sitting on the very front row <laughs> and yeah, my neck hurt when I got out of the film. I thought I maybe gave Grand Budapest like three and a half stars, mm-hmm. but I have since revisited it. Yeah. Thank goodness. And I, all the hype that people talk about it, you know, you've mentioned it. Some people say, Oh, it's his best since Grand Budapest. Yeah. I, I feel like that one's just amazing. Okay. So that's my number one. All right. We have very different lists. That's good. That makes that's interesting. So, uh, my number ten is French Dispatch, which is like your number three or four. Three, yeah, three. We've got Darley, Jar, Darjeeling Limited as as number nine. Moonrise Kingdom is most eight. people do rank that one pretty. Yeah, low, Darjeeling Limited and Moonrise Kingdom. I think you and I both kind of have in our bottom tiers there, and that's that. I think is pretty. A lot of people feel the same way. I do have Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou as number seven, so it's also in the bottom half for me. Um. Okay, from from seven down, those are my ones I'm like, eh, not big fans of, you know, don't really have that big of a desire to see them again type of thing. Hmm. I'll go ahead and tell you, from six up, these are all really good. So it's it's these could compete for batting around two through six at any given point. But number six, I've got Grand Budapest Hotel. Now wow. that's low on my list, but I mean I still think it's a great film. Um I've got Asteroid City as number five, so hmm. right above Grand Budapest. Wow. Yeah, you obviously liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then Fantastic Mr. Fox is four. Isle of Dogs is three. Rushmore is two. Royal Tenenbaums is one. Now, two through six could flip-flop at any point. I could feel differently about those. 
Royal Tenenbaums will will be my number one until the day I leave this earth. It was my my favorite Wes Anderson film. Yeah, and I I, I don't like that movie as much yeah. as everybody else does. Um, I, I, I it's not that I gave it three and a half stars, um, which is probably blasphemy for a lot of people, but yeah. I like it. I mean, is it's it out just, of a three and a half star rating? No, <laughs> no. Okay. Um, and I it's out of five. I, I like it, and it's not because I haven't revisited it because mm-hmm. I have. The one that I may, I think I also don't admire as much as everybody else in the world, Rushmore. I don't have that as high. Yeah. And I, that is one I think I do need to revisit. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it would kind of float up a little bit. But there again, I don't feel like he's made a bad film. It's just for my tastes, I guess some float up higher than others. So. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So as far as any commonalities we have on our list, I think we're both agreeing Isle of Dogs is really good. Yeah. We both have that film in the top like top three or four of our films, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, the weird thing too is which do you, I guess you feel Fox is better or Isle of Dogs? Isle of Dogs is better. See, that's how I have it rated. Yeah. But I'm curious because in my mind, I've seen Fantastic Mr. Fox a lot more. So I'm wondering, I think I need to revisit well, Isle, Isle of Dogs. Dogs to make sure it's as good as I think it I've is. I've seen Isle of Dogs three times. Okay. And it, I still think it's great. Um, I love Isle of Dogs. Rushmore, yeah, is one that I, I would have been downplaying early on after I saw it. And other films came out after that one. And I thought, well, Rushmore was kind of not that impressive if you think back on it. But I have gone back and visited it there a few go. times since. And I'm like, no, it just it still holds up. It's still really good. So in Royal Tenenbaums, I still feel like it's one of my favorite movies of all time, actually. It's, I think it's in my top 10 to 15 favorite films of all time. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. All right. So yeah, Asteroid City, I've got kind of as a middle of the pack, number five out of 10. It's right in there. It's a good, uh, good, enjoyable, but you definitely have it in your, I mean, you got it pretty much at the bottom. Yeah. You and I basically switch on French Dispatch and Asteroid City. Those are the ones like, I like French Dispatch a lot mm-hmm. and you like Asteroid City. Well, in Grand Budapest, you've got it as a much higher, and I've got Royal Tenenbaums. That's our two, like, you know, your favorite, my favorite. Right. We both like the other ones, but we just have a, there's that one film that just kind of really just escalated for us, each of us. Right. So it's interesting. Well, that was a fun little exercise. And I'm curious to see, I'm curious to see what, always curious to see what he's going to do next. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously it'll have in like all likelihood, it'll have a large ensemble cast. It will have, the visual style that all his other films have. It will have the camera techniques that he's used in all his other films, but to see what he, will he continue to go down this kind of meta path or like stories within the story? Grand Budapest did it. Um, obviously French dispatch did it. This did, will he continue to go down that path or now will he be like, okay, that was kind of like my trio. And now I'm going to jump out and do something who knows. So I'll I'll be curious to see, you know, I, I hearken back to a discussion you and I had, um, it was right after moonrise kingdom. I think we reviewed moonrise kingdom. Mm -hmm. And I remember the discussion being, I think it might've been me that said, I'm a little concerned about Wes Anderson's (laughs) shtick, his thing, his style. Right. And I'd really like it if he did something, just some completely different. Then Grand Budapest came out, and we all loved it. And we're like, "No, no, no, Wes, you keep doing, <laughs> do whatever you want, keep to doing do. your thing. You're fine. Don't worry about it." <laughs> I mean, I, I get, and I hear this with every film that comes out of his. It's like, "Okay, Wes, why don't you, why don't you dial back and go do something different?" But he keeps cranking, cranking out the good movies, and even a film like French Dispatch, which I, I think is his least favorite film of mine. There's still things there I like. I mean, there's still parts of that film I would like to see again. There's still elements of it that work. So, yeah, I agree with you. He hasn't made a bad film. Well, and I'm curious. You were talking to me off air about what he, I guess it's already done, but he has another film coming out, but it's a short film that's coming out on Netflix, I think you told me. I think we talked about that on the podcast, Okay, we we did. Yeah, yeah, last week. Mm -hmm. Last week or last time. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because that is, I mean, maybe it has all the elements, but that's something he's never like do a short that's released that big, like big mm. of a deal. So yeah, I'll be curious there just to see what happens with that. Yeah. So. Well, that is our Wes Anderson discussion followed by uh, following our review of and 
God, I'm going to keep saying Android. <laughs> it is not Android City. It is Asteroid, Asteroid. Sorry. Asteroid City. There we go. So that is our ranking of Wes Anderson Films. Uh, we'd love to hear from everybody some thoughts. We'll give you some instructions at the end of the show. If you'd like to reach out to us and have a dialogue about Mr. Anderson and his latest film, we'd love to hear from you. But until then, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I've got a couple of movie trailers to share with Mr. Chris here, get his feedback. One film I'm generally interested and excited on, and the other one, uh, the opposite of what I just said. So let's see what we've got to share here in a moment. We'll be right back with Foot Candle Films here in just a minute. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Uh, Chris and I had our discussion about Asteroid City, directed by Wes Anderson, and we talked about our rankings of favorite Wes Anderson films. Now, Chris, we're going to kind of turn our attention to some films that have not come out yet, but are getting close. Okay. And so that means it's trailer time. We got to look at some trailers. Now, we're on an audio podcast. I realize playing part of a trailer doesn't make the most sense on an audio podcast. <laughs> so you are going to hear like a minute or so of a trailer. And yes, you're not going to see anything because it's audio podcast. I invite you, if the trailer sounds interesting to you, go check it out, watch it online. But I'm basically going to show Chris these trailers. I am understanding that the first one I'm going to show him, he has not seen yet. So that'd be good. We'll get our take on it. The second one, I'm going to take a guess he has not seen either, hmm. but I cannot wait to hear his opinions and thoughts on it. Uh, well, because I have opinions and thoughts. Chris <laughs> may not have as many, but okay. I certainly do. So let's get right into it. Chris, uh, our first trailer in our trailer tapas section here is the latest uh, film from Luca Guadagnino. Uh, if you recall, he directed Call Me By Your Name several years ago with Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also more recently did Bones and All also with uh, Chalamet. Uh, we reviewed Bones and All we here did. on the show. Mm-hmm. I seem to recall me liking it more than you. Um, I liked it. Yeah, I think yeah, we you, both think gave positive reviews, on. but I, I, it was one of my favorite films of the year last year, actually like 10 favorite or five favorite or something. So naturally, I'm a little kind of excited to see what the next film is that he's coming out with. He does have a new feature coming out. Uh, it is a being billed as a romantic sports comedy film. Now, that sounds a little, a little unique. Romantic a little romantic sports comedy film. Okay. That's right. That is the branding that's being built on. Okay. We have a film that is starring Zendaya, uh, Josh O'Connor, who I'm not familiar with. Yeah, we'll does see. It, does it ring a bell? But also in the third role here is uh, um, Mike Faced. Oh. Which okay. we recall from West Side Story and also from Pinball, which we really liked his yes. performance quite a bit in both of those, Mike Faced. So they play the three leads in this film. Uh, the, the film challengers, it follows three players, tennis players, which oh, right away. I like tennis. Yeah, I like my tennis. So all we're good. Tennis. Three t- players who knew each other when they were teenagers as they compete in a tennis tournament to be the world famous Grand Slam winner and reignite old rivalries on and off the court. Okay. Supposedly, uh, Zendaya trained for months with a pro tennis uh, coach, uh, Brad Gilbert, a former player that I'm uh, familiar with, used to be a fan of. Um, And Gilbert's also been a consultant on the film, so it's really trying to make sure the tennis is authentic and and believable. Um, And Guadagnino's got some other screenwriters joining him. I don't recognize uh, their other work that they've done in the past. But then uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are going to be composing the film score, just like they did for Bones and All. Okay. All right. So, you want to see the trailer for this thing? Sure. All right. Let's watch the trailer for Challengers. Tashi Duncan. She's going to turn a whole family into millionaires. She'll have a fashion line, a foundation. You were incredible today. Thank you. I mean, it wasn't even like tennis. It was an entirely different game. Hey. Hmm. All right. 
So that is the trailer for Challengers. Um, I don't know if I buy the comedy billing that they gave on it. I mean, no, like it might have some some humor in it, but it definitely is playing up heavier, the trailer anyway, the romance drama element of the film. Uh, Maybe even more than the sports side and the uh, comedy side. The trailer kind of looks kind of like a relationship thriller type thing. Mm Kind of like a... Not basic instinct, but something something a lot like you don't it makes Zendaya's character look kind of untrustworthy. And so the mm-hmm. whole thing is she's manipulating these two yeah. tennis players. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm extremely curious. It's interesting. Very anxious to see this film. I love tennis as a sport. I like any movie that can dig into tennis. We haven't had that many films that really get into tennis over the over the time. Um I'm indifferent on, on Zendaya. I'm still waiting to see. I mean, she was really good in um, Malcolm and Marie, hmm. the film that we reviewed, um, I think last year or a couple of years ago. Yeah, maybe two years ago. Yeah. yeah. I thought she was she was really good in that. And yeah. Everything else she's done I, I, has really stood out to me, but um, I think there's a good performance in there waiting to happen. But I like Mike Face a lot. Hmm. I really think he, I'm a big fan of him. Uh, Josh O'Connor, the third in here, I'm not familiar with him. But I, uh, the film looks looks interesting. So, and because I did like Bones and All so much, I mean, I, I know this guy had, knows how to work with actors on relationships, and that's what I'm interested to see here. So. I think if it wasn't for the director, I probably wouldn't be as interested in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I like, like you say, I like Mike Feist. I like I like Zendaya, um, but. Just the story and like, you know, I'm not that into tennis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and I guess based on the trailer, like you're saying, it doesn't seem to be that much of a comedy. <laughs> so, no, I, so, I don't know where yeah, that so, tag is coming No, from. but I mean, so yeah, just based on the trailer, if I didn't know the director, I might not be as engaged with it. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, what that what that ends up being. So Yeah, no, I am looking forward. It comes out this September. Okay. So it'll be coming out here in a few months. So that so is possibly they're putting it out in September for awards reasons or possibly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, cause usually that late in the game, I think it's playing some big, some big festivals right okay. now or getting ready to. So, okay. Um, we will certainly see, I think just with the director, like Rodney, no, I mean, sure. Yeah. Call me by my name really got a, a lot of attention. And I think, uh, uh, had some nominees from that 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 film, I believe. I believe so. I don't believe it won anything, but I do think it was nominated for quite a few things. And uh, okay, so that is uh, Challengers coming out here in September. Now, Chris, um, last week we talked about we did our review of the film The Flash. Yes, we and for good or for bad, <laughs> we spend a lot of time having to talk about superhero movies on the show. True. Because that's a, a lot, lot of, of what, what gets released. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Especially here in the summertime, we kind of knew there'd be a lot of that going on. Sure. Um, so just let me just back up a little bit. Uh, if you recall, Sony, the, the Sony Pictures has the rights to Spider-Man. Yes. And all Spider-Man type characters. But then they worked out some sort of arrangement with Marvel where Marvel gets to make films with Spider-Man, but yet Sony has the rights to, to do use, Venom, <laughs> to do like Venom in Morbius, which, you know, you remember oh, yes. that, right? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. So basically all villains and supporting characters of the Spider-Man universe, Sony gets to make movies in those. And it's kind of in a weird spot because those movies don't really interact with the Marvel movies as much. They're not, it's kind of just like their weird little Island over here that they're, they're playing in Island of Uh, misfit villains. Yeah. And I mean, so far the movies have not been good for the most part, these Sony movies, right? Right. I mean, I think a lot, some people like the venom movies. I never saw the second one. I did see the first one, Um, but some people like those, but yeah, I don't, I don't think, I mean, just generally speaking, I think overall from a critical standpoint, they're not, they're not great movies. Right. Um, it's been much better success on the Spider-Man movies that Marvel's done. Although you and I were not the biggest fan of the last one, the, oh. <laughs> um, um, the, uh, no way home. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, all right. 
So there's a, a character that they have announced a, a film is coming out for. It is a Spider-Man villain character. Uh, probably not as well known to a lot of, a lot of people. His name is Craven the Hunter. Hmm. Are you familiar with this character? <laughs> no. Okay. Craven the Hunter is a big game hunter. He is a, that is his deal. Uh, he was introduced in the Spider-Man universe, like back in the 60s. And basically, he just came to America to hunt big game. And Spider-Man was like a something he could hunt. So he hunts Spider-Man. And that's how they became a villain. So not big game is in like, I'm going to kill an elephant, which would well, be he normally does. Anyway. That's normally his thing. But he came saying, oh, well, Spider-Man's the biggest game I can go after. So I'm going to go hunt him now. I'm looking for a challenge. And okay. he saw Spider-Man as a challenge. He was tired of rhinoceroses <laughs> and elephants and lions and all of that. Okay. Okay. All right. So Makes as have, much sense as lots of other things. Sure. <laughs> so, um, look, okay. I like the character. I, okay. I think, you know, it's interesting history. I don't want to get too deep on it with that. But immediately when I heard that they're making a movie, Craven the Hunter, which is based off the Spider-Man villain. But again, just like Morbius and like Venom, there will not be any Spider-Man in this movie. It is just a villain. Are they trying to make him good? Just like they tried to make Venom good? Of course. Venom He's like an anti-hero. To- so he is like, you know... Uh, Yes, that's exactly what it is. He is, uh, you know, they're not going to paint him as a pure bad guy, you know, because that's nobody wants to go see paid 10 bucks to go see a movie and just watching a bad guy do things. Joker. Well, okay. Yeah. Joker might be the one exception on that. But for the most part, especially trying to build up this superhero. People knew who Joker was before they went to go see the movie. That's right. So So in this film, where I'm going to show you the trailer for, unfortunately, uh, Craven the Hunter is the visceral story of how and why one of Marvel's most iconic villains came to be. <laughs> oh, really? That iconic, eh? Well, and he is. I, I, I will give okay. him that. I, I agree. I mean, he was more one of the first. More iconic than like Dr. Octopus? No, or... no, no. Not more iconic. But I mean, he was one. He's, he's in the top 10. Top okay. 10. Top 10 villain characters. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll buy that. Uh, set before his notorious vendetta with Spider-Man. Oh. Aaron Taylor Conven- conveniently. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is playing Craven, okay, uh, stars as the titular character in this R-rated film. So this will be a Marvel co-branded because Marvel's name appears on these films just because they are Marvel characters. But it is the first one that Sony's done that is R-rated in conjunction with Marvel. Okay. Uh, Deadpool was R-rated movies, but those were through Fox. Gotcha. Fox had those characters. Okay. So uh, we also have Russell Crowe. Disney does. <laughs> yeah, we also have Russell Crowe in this film. Okay. Uh, and uh, Ariana DeBois, which we saw from uh, West Side Story. Okay. The director is J.C. Chander. And uh, I'm trying to remember what he Margin did. Margin Call. Yep, that's right. Margin Call. So he's doing a superhero film. Uh, aren't they all? Well, yeah. Aren't they all? Sure. So let's watch the trailer for craven the hunter and uh, i believe this might be a red band trailer so i'm just kind of oh giving caution everybody if you go and watch this uh, it can be a little on the violent bloody side so uh anyway here we go my son never show mercy they are prey. Your mother is dead. She died because you sent her away. She was weak, sick in her mind. You're not my business. <laughs> so I wish all of you listening to this podcast could see Chris's head just shaking so much during this trailer. Yeah, pretty so. much from the the first maybe five seconds, I started shaking my head and continued to do so. Yeah. yeah. And look, hey, I'll be the first to say, I, no, this this... This does not look good. Um, and maybe it will be good. Yeah, I know. But all right, you look at track history of what we've got with these whole anti-hero villain movies they've tried to make. Uh, the the trailer really just accentuated all the oh look how badass he is and he's <laughs> kicking people around and all. Yeah, I nothing about that excites me and. I've pretty much given up on whatever films they're trying to do here. What's surprising to me, Chris, is you just had a film, The Flash, last week that crashed and burned box office-wise. Right. 
And that was a film that, I mean, I feel like was trying to do something creative and inventive with his story. I mean, whether you feel like it worked or not. I mean, I, I had some more issues with the film. You liked it a lot more than I did, but I at least felt like it was trying to do something and it, and nobody was buying it. Nobody, (laughs) nobody bought a ticket to go see it. Sure. Morbius, which was the previous movie that this whole series was, was coming out of. I mean, this looks like Morbius. Yes, it does. It it looks just like the same caliber, same style. And that movie tanked. It's actually a, a meme, how much people joke about that movie. I don't understand this. I do not understand this like movie right now. And to me that I will not spoil it, even though how can you spoil a trailer? But you know, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Um, Cause depending on whether or not we use the whole trailer audio, you'd know this, but the fact that they do a, I know enough about Marvel comics to know that there's another villain that they kind of tease in the last five seconds of the trailer. Usually something that would be in the movie. People be like, Oh my, like the fact that they feel like they had to put that in the trailer. Oh yeah. Cause it has nothing to do with Craven. Well, I mean, I guess, but, mm. but so like the fact that they felt like they had to do that, I feel like that was a desperate sign. Like, no, this movie's going to be cool. You should see it. And I'm like, Ooh, that, that was a big oof for me watching the trailer. Yeah. I'm not excited. I, I Aaron Taylor Johnson, I, I feel like, has excelled in a lot of his performances in recent years. I think he's a good actor. There's all the rumors that he's been one of the people considered as the new James Bond, which I think would be kind of interesting. I could see that. Um, but yeah, this movie. And as much as, look, I love the idea of making movies about some of these characters that I grew up with and love reading about. But these movies just don't look good. I did not like the Verna movie. Did not I, I never saw Morbius, but You're, no, you didn't yeah. miss anything. I there's nothing at all giving me hope about this film right now. So it, somebody somebody I trust is going to have to go see this thing and say, nope. They J C Chander pulled it off. It's actually really good. It's a fun. It's a great movie. Well, you know, for if, me to any, go see if it. anything would give me hope, it would be the fact that J C Chander is the director. Mm-hmm. So, because he did Margin Call, which I mentioned, he also did All Is Lost, the Robert Redford. Oh, the Robert film. Redford film. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's got he can make some interesting choices. So yeah, I guess I don't know if this is just paycheck or if he's doing more with it. I don't don't know. And just for, in case you haven't seen the movie poster for this film, uh, what movie does this look like? Just right there at that poster. (laughs) Do you know what movie poster, the recent movie, like in the last year? Oh, uh, no, that is the exact same pose and shot of the black Adam poster that the rock did huh. for this. And I'm thinking to myself again, okay, so these are the models of films. You're kind of patterning the marketing off of black Adam crash. Oh, it just has him like sitting there looking. Well, it's like the same. He's like slumped in a seat, like kind of thrown looking thing. Same way in a, a poster for black Adam. I don't know. I just don't understand the studios. They're thinking about this and how to market these films. Um, you know, if, if, if yeah. this trailer had been cut to be a little more, interesting and creative and, or, or something to kind of highlight maybe what director JC Chandler's bringing to the table. I, I, maybe it would have got people got me more excited, but sure. instead it was a very, just so cookie cutter. So over the top action violence and let's put in the little pithy uh, catchphrases and, and funny comments interspersed in between it. And then, of course, there's a shot of a drop of blood from a lion, I guess, dropping into him. I'm like, all right, that's... <laughs> okay, tell me this, because uh, we haven't seen... We haven't, after, we haven't seen the film, so is he, like, does he have powers? No. Okay, mm, so that was something added no, for the... Tra- okay. No. He's just really uh, strong and a big hunt, and just a, a, a very um, capable hunter. I okay. I mean, he's just, you know... Um, Tracking prey, you know, uh, all uh, that's his skill set. He's done half superpowers, right? Okay. He didn't get stuff from the blood of a lion or anything. So, <laughs> okay. That's just, I mean, they had to add it in because they got to make it sure. big. It's got to be a superhero movie. So, gotcha. Anyway, that is Craven the Hunters coming out in October. Um, so, I will plan on seeing Challengers in September. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Okay. And I need, I have a group of probably about, you know, 15, 20 different critics that I also follow and watch their work. I need to see some of them tell me that Craven the Hunter is good for me to have any excitement to go see it. 
Understood. Yeah, that's where I am with that. Okay, well, that's a couple of movies I just wanted to share with you, Chris. I take it, Craven the Hunter, you're not uh, no. too keen on quite yet. No, but there again, if other people give it the time of day and tell me, hey, you should check this out, I'll be more than happy to. But yeah, yeah just based off initial reaction, I, I think I'll pass. Yeah. That's fine. I wanted to kind of show nice extremes <laughs> sure. on the two types of films to, to preview there. Well, Chris, that is our episode for today. So we had our review of Asteroid City. We had our ranking of our Wes Anderson films. Uh, we did some trailers of Craven the Hunter and Challengers and talked about those films a bit. So, Chris, if anybody has any thoughts or feedback or let's say they have some their own opinions about Asteroid City they want to share, maybe they take issue with our Wes Anderson rankings in any way, shape, or form. Or they want to champion and tell us that Craven the Hunter is going to be a really good movie and we should like shut up about it. Um, how can they get a hold of us? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org and let us know why Craven the Hunter is going to be the best film of 2023. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. Al and I are also on Letterboxd where we try to track what we're seeing, leave short reviews sometimes. Uh, do us a favor. If you like the show, and we hope that you do, give us a star rating, write a review, share with friends or whatever service you receive your favorite podcast on to help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. Last but not least, 2023 Foot Candle Film Festival, September 15th through the 24th. Not too long now, we'll be uh, putting together a lineup for that um, festival. So we'll have that information up online that you can check out. But if you are going to be in Western North Carolina in September, please consider stopping by and uh, seeing us at the festival. Absolutely. We're looking forward to getting together here in September. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope, uh, hope you all get to come join us and spend some time with us and some great filmmakers and great films to enjoy over that long weekend. And actually a whole week we've got planned for this year's festival. More details to come very, very soon. All right. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks everybody for listening and we will look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.